Good morning. Welcome to worship. Welcome to Calvary Baptist Church. If you are a visitor among us, we welcome you. There is room for you here among us. We would love to hear more from you through this visitor card. Uh, you may fill it out and drop it by the offering plate this morning. Also, if you are from Calvary, we would love to hear about your prayer needs, prayer requests. There's room for that too in that card. Today, you'll see a nominating ballot, a nominating ballot in your worship folder or in the, in the table in the back. Please make sure you fill out if you're a member and supply that also on the offering plate during worship. Fifteen years ago, something terrible happened in New York City. And I wonder as we worship today and as we are invited and we welcome even that horrible thought, if we have ever not thought of someone as less, we've thought of someone that believed differently than we do as less. I wonder if we're guilty of that. The rise of the Muslim radicalism, the rise of the Christian fundamentalism, the terrorism that our brothers and sisters in India suffer, this suppression and oppression that Christians in the East and in Africa suffer. I wonder if we were ever in that position. Let's welcome that thought this morning as we look at God's Word as God's presence and God's inspiration for our lives. Welcome to worship. to refine. 
come to you this day, a day of loss and remembrance, a day marked in our corporate memory, a day embedded within our souls. For some of us, we remember the moment we heard the news, the planes hit the towers, the Pentagon, the field in Pennsylvania. Where we were, the disbelief, confusion, then horror as we watched what took place. For others in this room, they've heard the stories that are now part of our nation's narrative. In all of this, may you remind us that you are the God of past, present, and future. God of past who remained faithful to the covenant made with Abraham, who led the Hebrew children, who taught them what it meant to be in relationship with you and with those around them. God of present who still works among us even when the darkness threatens to prevail, who calls us through scripture to love one another and to welcome the stranger, who speaks to us in unexpected ways. God of the future, whose hope we find in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who challenges us to see a future of what could be, who waits for us to catch up. As we enter this time of worship, May you remind us of all this and more. In your holy and precious name we pray, amen. Boys and girls, please come join me at the front for the children's time. Good morning. Good morning. I'm wondering this morning if sometimes if singing a certain song reminds you of something. Are there any songs you can think of that when you sing that song, it brings uh, to mind something or you remember a special time related to that song? Anybody have that experience? Mm-hmm. Okay. I bet you do. I bet there's certain songs that if you're mom or your dad or your grandma or somebody that really loves you a lot were to sing that song, I bet it would remind you of a bedtime song or certain songs that remind you of Sunday school and certain songs you think about and that remind you of worship, all of that stuff. The song that we just sang, uh, Jesus, You're My Sure Foundation, that's a song that reminds me of being in Kenya a few years ago. Uh, you notice we sang a Kenyan song at the beginning of worship today. But I've been to Kenya several times, and a few years ago, we were at a place called Buckner Children's Home. And I have a picture of that here, and I want you to look at this photo. It's the one on, of all these children on this side of the page. Can you guys see all those kids? Yeah, can everybody see it? Can you see it? Yeah, can you see all those children there singing? Yeah, it's, yeah, but these are children in Africa. These are all children at the Buckner Children's Home. 
Yeah, and when we were there, these boys and girls, um, we sang for them, but they also sang for us. And whenever they sang for us, one of the songs that they sang was the song that we just sang. Jesus, you're my sure foundation. I know I can stand secure. This is one we just sang. But the part of that song that made me really think a lot was when they sang, I have a living hope. Sing with living hope. I have a future. I future. God has a plan for me. Of this I'm sure. Of this I'm sure. Yeah, when they sang that, I really was moved by that. Why would you think that might be a really special thing to sing for these boys and girls in Africa? What do you think? What do you think? Reminds them of God. Yeah, what do you think? Okay, okay, because these people might have come from really hard places and it might be really difficult to be them. Yeah. So when they sang that, I was just so moved by hearing them sing a song. And then every time I sing that song since then, I always think of these boys and girls and I think of all the hope that they have. What does you think it meant when these boys and girls sang, God has a plan for me? What do you think that might have meant? Okay, that was a beautiful thing. You could, all couldn't hear that. But what she said was, God actually does have a plan for you. And there was a reason that you were born. And all these boys and girls that we heard sing that song that day, God actually has a plan for them, just like God has a plan for you guys up here. And there was a reason that you were born. Let's sing that one more time. Um, I have a... Okay, um, I was uh, not worrying about pitch here, so here we go. Give us the right pitch, Sarah. Ready, and I have a living hope. I have, I have a future. God has a plan for me. Of this I'm sure, of this I'm sure. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I know I can stand secure. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I put my hope in your holy word. I put my hope in your holy word. I hope when you hear that song in the future, maybe you can think of these boys and girls in this photo book that I had. And I hope you also might think of the boys and girls that we're going to hear about later in the service today. Let's pray together. God, you do have a plan for us. You made every one of us with a special purpose in mind. You have a plan for all of us. And in you, we are secure. We can trust you, O oh God. And we do that today. Amen. All right, let's go back to our seats. of my heart be pleasing to you.
Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day long. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is always with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your decrees are my meditation. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart 
I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn away from your ordinances, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, my God. A reading from the second epistle to Timothy. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be I want you to meet a friend. This is Mr. Joe Alexander, and I've had the privilege of getting to know him as principal of West Avenue um, Elementary, and he's choosing to worship with us this morning instead of at his home church, and we're grateful. Tell us how many years you have been principal at West Avenue. Um, four long years. <laughs> <laughs> And the challenges and the students at West Avenue, that's not a new environment for you. Tell me why this is such a good fit for you personally. Mm, I, for me, what makes it a good fit is that, you know, we, my family, we came from poverty. So I have, a, better, I have a, a strong conviction to understand where the kids come from and to um, practice my servant leadership and to be um, impactful every day and be transformational for the children. And you are. Tell us a little bit more about the families um, of West Avenue. Well, the family is this very dynamic um, representation because we have children from Kate Ross, uh, from the south side of uh, Waco, and then we have our sector that's 76707. Um, every day is a new challenge for us. Every day it changes. Uh, one day we think we have the problem fixed, and then something else changes. Um, our families are very mobile. Um, 
you know, our population changes from year to year. Right now, we're about 64% Hispanic and about 33% African American. Um, I think the hardest part is being 98% economically disadvantaged. That's probably the hardest task that we have every day. And then 84% of those kids are at risk. It's a challenge each day. What are the things you love about West Avenue? I guess what I love every day is, to, is the children and their families um, and not focusing on the zip code that they come from, but focusing on the love that they have for um, themselves and for their kids and for their community. We partnered with West Avenue for a while now and there's two programs that um, Calvary does at the school and one is the Reading Buddies program and the second is a new program we piloted in the spring and then we've kicked it off now this year and that's the PB&J Hope Bags. We sat down with uh, Mr. A last year and just said what are your greatest needs and how can we be of help and these were the areas identified. Uh, tell us why we ended up with those two programs and maybe the difference that they're making at the school. Really with the, the Reading Buddies, you know, it's approximately 15 to 20 adults that come in every single day um, reading to the kids. It's not really about the reading so much, it's really about the mentorship um, that you're able to bring and close that gap of why do I need to come to school? Why is it important for me to get up? Um, school, is not, school is boring, I don't like to read. Um, it's different when there's a person there in front of that child, reading to that child. Because a lot of our kids, that small 30-minute window that we ask for, um, they don't have that at home. Most of the time, our kids are being raised by their grandparents or a guardian or aunt or uncle. Um, it changes a lot. A lot of our kids um, sleep on the floor. So it changes um, every day. I've never gone and not left blessed. It does make you count your blessings. We've said at Calvary that ministering in this neighborhood is a top priority. These are two direct ways you can do that this year. Uh, Jennifer Lowe and I will be in the Welcome Center after worship. If you want more information about helping us either with the food bags, which helps families on long weekends, and on week breaks, it gives them peanut butter and jelly, um, bread, um, crackers, and things that can sustain a family uh, when there aren't meals at the school. Uh, we're also throwing in crayons and uh, a coloring book uh, to keep them um, just working on some eye-hand coordination, and that was a request from the teachers. So if you would like more information to serve yourself, or a life group or Sunday school class. We would love to um, work with you on that. We appreciate you, Mr. A, and all the work you do each day in our neighborhood. So let's support them. And it's the, the award we won an award um, last year from our doctor school, from our school district for the Golden Apple Award. So I wanted um, to say thank you to Calvary Baptist Churches for the 2015-2016 Golden Apple Award for Academic Achievement between the partnership of Calvary Baptist Church and West Avenue Elementary School because of the Reading Buddy program. So it is successful and it is working. Thank you. Appreciate it.
Speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Take your truth and plant it deep within us. Shape and fashion us in your likeness. So that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts here in this place might be found pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I was reading an article recently that said robots will one day replace teachers as the primary sources of information in classrooms around the world. Michael Osborne, who is the associate professor of machine learning at the University of Oxford, says this, technology allows for superior delivery of information. So it seems pointless to have a teacher or a lecturer standing in front of a classroom delivering content that might be better absorbed through a computer program or an online video. One day, he says, every student will have a device at their desk which will be delivering their content tailored to their interest and expertise. 
rather than everyone receiving the same material from one teacher in front of the class. However, while he admits that these robots are great at distributing information, Professor Osborne says, don't expect to be inspired. In particular, the social intelligence required to monitor a classroom or to motivate students who are struggling with a concept is likely to remain beyond the scope of our algorithms, he says, for at least 20 years. So for all of you teachers and professors, Principal A, you got 20 years of some job security. <laughs> Professor Osborne's words stuck with me as I was reflecting on this week's text. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient and equipped for every good work. So, when you and I open up our Bible, do we expect to be inspired? Do we approach Scripture with wonder and curiosity and hopefulness about what God has to say to us through these words? Or do we read our Bibles as a routine, as something we've done so often in Sunday school and in worship and even in our own devotion time that maybe it's lost its luster? Do we read it as a text that doesn't always make sense to us and wonder how relevant it can be 2,000 years later? Do we read the Bible as a source of academic information to be analyzed and critiqued like a textbook in our classes? Or do we struggle to read the Bible at all, wrestling with difficult passages about slavery or mass killings or the mistreatment of women and questioning what to make of it all? Wherever you find yourself in your journey with the Bible, know that you're not alone. Know that Calvary is a place where you can bring your doubts, your passion, your skepticism, your hopes and dreams, your questions that aren't so easily satisfied by easy answers, your frustrations, and even your unique perspectives. No question is unsafe to ask here. No doubt is too scary to mention. Part of our vision statement is that Calvary is devoted to a deeper understanding of God's word. And we have Sunday school classes for all ages every Sunday that are centered around this very idea. And then each and every week in worship, people will stand before us and read pages of scripture saying, this is the word of the Lord, to which we respond, thanks be to God. I'm not here to answer any of our deeply held questions about the Bible nor am I here to challenge any of our deeply held convictions. Although I would add that Sunday school and life groups are great spaces for us to be having these conversations and to be reading this text in community with one another. 
However, I am here today to ask us to consider what it would look like for us, for all of us, to read the Bible as people who expect to be inspired. And when I say this, I don't only mean to read the Bible with the understanding that the many different people who wrote these words of Scripture were inspired by God. I also want us to ask ourselves if we believe that that same God continues to inspire these words as we engage with them today. And if that same God continues to inspire us through these living and breathing words. It's interesting to me that the Greek word translated to mean inspired here in 2 Timothy literally means God breathed. And we have another example in scripture of God breathing at creation. Genesis 2, 7 says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And that man became a living being. Rachel Held Evans writes the following words about the power of God's breath. She says, In the beginning, God breathed. And the dust breathed back enough oxygen, oxygen, water, and carbon dioxide to make an atmosphere and to make a person. Job knew life as the breath of God in my nostrils, given and taken away. With breath, the Creator kindled the stars, parted a sea, woke a valley of dry bones, and inspired a sacred text. So too, the Spirit, inhaled and exhaled in a million quotidian ways, animates, revives, nourishes, sustains, and speaks. It is as near as the nose and as everywhere as the air. So pay attention. Friends, do we pay attention to the spirit that is at work when we read these words? And do we believe that the same God who breathed life into humanity from the very beginning of time also breathes life into these words and continues to breathe life into us as we engage with these words today. If we believe that, no wonder we say thanks be to God for this life-giving word. I just don't know that we always receive scripture in a way that expects to be inspired. I don't know that I always engage with scripture in this way. A few summers ago, during Calvary's mission trip to China, John Polk was to lead a nightly Bible study at Lion Mountain Church, where we were serving. And to be honest, our team was completely exhausted. We had spent long, hot, full days leading vacation Bible school for the children and youth in the church and community, and we would have loved a little bit of free time in the evenings just to catch our breath. But the church was so excited about this idea of offering a Bible study that we went with it. And so we expected there to be about a handful of people and plan the event in the church's multi-purpose room because it was air-conditioned. And the multi-purpose room is probably similar to the size of our fellowship hall. But before John even began teaching, we were already running out of chairs. So we started grabbing these small plastic chairs from the children's classroom next door. 
And then we ran out of chairs completely, and there was standing room only, until people began squatting on the floor along the hallway outside, eager to hear whatever they possibly could. So then we created an overflow room where people listened to the audio of John's presentation over a speaker system. And as I walked downstairs into that overflow room, I was in awe. I watched as people of all ages, some wearing dirty clothes and some wearing fancy dresses and formal business suits, scribbled down notes on their notepads, but it was as if they couldn't write fast enough to soak in every life-giving word. So the following night, we knew we needed a different plan, so John taught Bible study in the large, unair-conditioned sanctuary so that there would be space for everyone. Now let's be real for a minute. If we did not have air conditioning here at Calvary in the summer months, part of me wonders if we would even have church. We would probably figure out some other kind of arrangement. But in China, for the rest of the week, that sanctuary was packed. I mean, sweat was dripping down people's faces in this hot, stuffy room, but it just didn't matter. And I have never seen such expressions of excitement and anticipation and gratitude in a Bible study. Now, granted, I need to make a slight caveat that Americans tend to be treated like celebrities in China. And so there was always this long line of people waiting to take selfies with John after his Bible study every night. But I also believe that every person there expected to be inspired by God's word, and they were. You and I find inspiration in lots of good and beautiful spaces in our lives. I actually posted this question on my Facebook page this week and asked people to tell me about what or who inspires them. And the responses that I received and am continuing to receive are incredible. Parents telling stories of how they're inspired by their children. Teachers and professors inspired by their students. Social workers inspired by their clients. People who are inspired by good literature by digging in the dirt of the garden, by friends and family members who are living out their callings, by people who have overcome great adversities, by beautiful scenes in nature. And what strikes me about this list is that while no one specifically mentioned being inspired by the Bible, each and every one of their responses can be found in the Bible. John Singletary mentioned being inspired by short sermons, and I bet there are even some short sermons in our Bible. <laughs> but part of what is so inspiring about this text is that woven within it are the same stories and the same spectrum of human emotions and experiences that you and I encounter every single day. For instance, if you are inspired by people who have overcome adversity, consider Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers, but came back to them and said, even though you intended to harm me, God intended it for good. Or when Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me, 
and I am content with my weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ, because whenever I am weak, then I am strong. Friends, if you are inspired by nature, consider what scripture says that we can learn from burning bushes, fig trees, mustard seeds, trees planted by streams of water, and the lilies of the field. If you're inspired by children, consider how Jesus welcomes the little children when the disciples want to send them away. Or the little boy who offers a few loaves of bread and some fish, and Jesus uses it to feed the thousands. If you're inspired by good literature, the Bible is filled with wonderful poetry, songs, action stories, journeys, and incredible adventures. If you're inspired by people living out their callings, consider how Abraham and his family followed God through the wilderness when they had no idea where they were going. Or those very first disciples who had the courage to drop their fishing nets and get out of the boat when Jesus said, come follow me. Friends, I truly believe that when we immerse ourselves in the world of this text, we can't help but to be inspired by the life-giving words on each and every page. The stories that point us again and again and again to God's faithfulness and abiding presence with us throughout all of time. Of course, any faithful reading of scripture should ultimately draw us out of the written words on the page and into the world around us. And any faithful response to the world around us should draw us back to these inspired words that continue to breathe life and hope and meaning into our everyday lives. At the same time, I recognize that for some reason, we don't always seem to be as in all of these words as the friends I met in China. And I've spent some time this week asking myself why that is. I do think we tend to take for granted whatever we have in abundance around us. People who live at the beach don't seem nearly as inspired by the waves and the sand. But whenever I get a chance to visit the beach, I could sit in my little beach chair all day long and watch the waves in complete amazement and it would never be enough. And so I can't help but wonder if the same is true about how we relate to God's word. But I do like the way that one of my favorite preachers writes about her relationship with the Bible. Barbara Brown Taylor says the following, and I think her words are words that many of us can relate to. She says, my relationship with the Bible is not a romance, but a marriage, and one I am willing to work on in all the usual ways, by living with the text day in and day out, by listening to it and talking back to it, by making sure I know what is behind the words it speaks to me, and being certain that I've heard it properly by refusing to distance myself from the parts of it I do not like or understand, and by letting my love for it show up in the everyday acts of my life. And so may we do the same. 
May we continue to live with this text day in and day out. May we listen to it and even be brave enough to talk back to it from time to time. May we refuse to distance ourselves from it, even the parts that make us uncomfortable, even the parts we don't like or understand. And may we let our love for this word show up in our everyday acts of life. And in so doing, may we be people who continually expect to be inspired. Amen. God, we admit that in this room, there are probably just as many ideas and questions and thoughts about scripture as there are people sitting in different pews. And wherever we come from today, we ask that through these words, you would inspire us. You would breathe new life into us so that we might do the things that you're calling us to do and become the people you're calling us to be. God, if we are grieving today, I ask that these words would comfort us. If we're discouraged today, I ask that these words would breathe hope and new life into us. God, if we're seeking discernment, I ask that these words would give us direction and wisdom in the next steps. Wherever we find ourselves today, God, you know what we need. And through these inspired words, we expect and know that you will speak to us, that you will light our paths. And so, God, we thank you for this word that too often we do take for granted. And may we be people who live in awe and wonder of the ways you continue to work and to speak and to breathe life into us. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. Well, the trajectory of scripture reminds us over and over again that God doesn't give up on God's people. God continues to make a way for us even when there seems to be no way. And ultimately, since Jesus, who scripture tells us is the way, the truth, and the life, and so if you would like to talk with someone more about what it means to follow Jesus, we would love to visit with you in the back of the sanctuary. Or maybe you'd like to talk about what it looks like to become part of our faith community at Calvary, where we gather around scripture week after week, and we pledge to learn from, to give to, and to receive from one another by God's grace. We would love to welcome you into our church family today. So however God leads you to respond, deacons and staff will be in the back of the sanctuary, ready to visit with you and to pray with you as we continue in worship. So what does this table have to do with being inspired, as Mary Alice has talked with us about? And how does it connect with our shared belief that God continues to speak to us even today? The expectation of what the Lord's Supper means varies greatly among Christians around the world and even here in our own city. Some believe that God is literally present in the bread and the juice, while others believe this meal is only a memorial act, an act commemorating the meal that Jesus served to his disciples. 
As we know, Christians find themselves at many points along the spectrum, and I'm sure that we're no exception here either. Several years ago, I was in a different church in this town on a communion day, and the sermon was centered around what is the meaning of communion. As the preacher moved through the sermon, he reminded us what communion wasn't. The communion is not this. The Lord's Supper is not that. It's not, it's not, so forth and so on. And by the end of the sermon, I was sitting there wanting somebody to stand up and say, so why are we doing this? So why would we even do communion today if it isn't all of these things that it obviously wasn't? When the meaning of communion or the Lord's Supper, as it was preached that day, was as near nothing as I could imagine, I wasn't sure about celebrating the meal, at least on that day. Today, I can't tell you what participating in this meal does or doesn't do for you. In other words, I don't know how inspired it is for you or how inspired it isn't. But what I can tell you today is that Christ is present here and that Christ is present in this meal or not. Jesus will meet you here if you choose to meet Jesus. If Jesus' presence is what is meant by inspired, and I happen to think it is, then this is an inspired table and this will be an inspired meal. Friends, let us meet Christ today at this table for what this meal does mean. You don't need to be a member of this congregation to participate in the meal today. If you profess your faith in Christ, you're welcome here. There are several different locations around the room, as you'll see. There's a gluten-free station in the back. Nobody's going to be directing you to the table, but come at your leisure you can exit uh, on the right and return on the left. We will be dipping the bread into the cup, which is our tradition. Children who have not made a profession of faith, you'll come right over here, and there will be a couple of people here that will give you a blessing to remind you of what um, God's love is for you. If you'd like to receive, your, receive communion at your seat, please feel free to raise your hand, and a deacon will come to you there. So today as we come to this table again, to know Christ in this meal, and to remember how the Lord Jesus Christ on the night that he was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke the bread, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Friends, now let us come to the table.
Jesus is glorious. Show to the Lord, oh, so wonderful. Give the glory and praise. He is the King. He is Lord of all creation. Since you woke you up this morning, starting on your way, you want to give him the praise for his wonderful. He is marvelous. He is wonderful. He is Jesus is wonderful. He is have a few closing announcements. Um, first, I didn't tell her I was going to introduce her, but Jess, would you stand and let us recognize you? This is Jess Hastings, and she is an intern with us this semester through the Ministry Guidance Program at Baylor. Jess is a junior engineering student and is going to be doing a lot of work in our community garden and also some photography and videography. So I hope you will get to know Jess throughout the semester. Thanks. Principal A, we are so glad that you were here with us today, and if you don't mind to follow me out during the benediction, I would love for people to get to greet you in the Welcome Center as we leave today. 
Also in the Welcome Center, Julie and Jennifer will be out there. If you're interested in becoming a reading buddy this semester, or if your Sunday school class or life group would like to know more about the PB&J Bags of Hope, they would love to sign you up for that. There are also colorful flyers out in the Welcome Center and on the table in the hallway that about our life group launch. Lots of our life groups are starting back this week, and we have lots of new spaces for people who want to get involved. We, it is our hope that everyone has a space like that at Calvary to know one another and to be known by one another. So talk to me, and I'd love to help you get connected with a group. And now I'd like to ask Jennifer Bordery to come up and make an announcement for us. Good morning. Um, today is the last day to submit um, nominations for the Pastor Search Committee. So if you've not done so already, we have nomination forms on the table just outside the sanctuary, and there's also a basket there where you can place your, com you can place your completed form. So please do that um, before you leave this afternoon. Um, as for next steps, um, according to Calvary's personnel policies and procedures, uh, the coordinating council shall prepare from the nominations a ballot of 24 nominees. So our goal, and this may be an ambitious one, is to prepare the ballot and publish it in the tower this coming Thursday. Um, if we're able to meet that deadline, uh, the election for the pastor search committee would take place in the morning worship service on September 25th. Um, also, this past Wednesday, we had our first church-wide listening session led by Dr. Robert Creech from Truett Seminary. About 37 uh, people came to that listening session. Um, there will be two more listening sessions coming up, one this Wednesday, September 14th at 6 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall, and a final listening session on Sunday, September uh, 25th at 6 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall. And the goal of these listening sessions is to just provide an opportunity um, for those who come to express their hopes and their expectations for Calvary um, and for a new pastor. And so I hope you'll, you'll try to attend at least one of those sessions. And then finally, Coordinating Council meets today at 12.15 um, in the Young Adult Sunday School classroom. So I will be seeing some of you again very shortly. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Would you please stand and join me for this benediction? As we go from this place, may the Spirit breathe new life into our very being. May we dare to approach God's word with curiosity and wonder and hopefulness. And may we be people who continually expect to be inspired. Amen.